Welcome into the Mental Health Hour. Welcome to episode 102 on postpartum depression. This is an episode that has been requested several times, and we are finally getting to it. So I will be probably leaning a bit more heavily on Gemma for this episode as she has a lot to share with postpartum depression. I know what my wife kind of went through. I can't put it into words for her, but I can uh, talk on, uh, you know, from a husband's standpoint after the birth of Penelope. Um, but good evening, everyone. It's good to see everybody here. Thanks for joining and thanks for listening on all the major podcasting networks. Uh, if you're listening to the replay, it's good to have you. Gemma, it's good to be back. How was vacation? Uh, very good. Um, I miss doing the broadcasts. Like I remember when it was Wednesday and I'm like, I should have been on now. But it was good to have some time away with a friend. Uh, we'd been planning uh, coming over for two years, but COVID and everything else just kind of fucked that up. Mm -hmm. So it finally happened. So it was nice. I got to be a tourist in my own country. <laughs> I saw some, some pictures. Yeah, yeah, we did Buckingham Palace, Westminster Abbey, um, Tower of London, threatened to leave Thomas in the Tower of London. <laughs> <laughs> and, and your friend came from Canada, was it? Yeah, Ontario, Canada. Canada, Canada, Canada. Long flight. <laughs> Jim says, not sure about the guest you had on last week. Jim and I had a chat during last week's Best of DMHH. Uh, yes, <laughs> last, last week we had just a, a replay of an old Haps Days interview with Jim in Chicagoland. Uh, that was that. one of my favorite episodes and one of our first interviews um, yeah. on the show. So very big shout out to Jim in Chicagoland. And uh, uh, thank you for him coming on and talking with us. Wouldn't mind catching up at any time. Always welcome back. Next time he comes back, can we not be doing it while you're working? Yeah, that would be. <laughs> because that I, was tense. <laughs> that would be ideal. Uh, we made it through. Uh, yeah. No calls were, were had that don't anymore. Thank you. And uh, it was a it was a great interview. Uh, yeah, so. it was. Anyway, tonight, uh, postpartum depression, uh, we have, like I said, this one's been requested a few times in the Discord, and we've been kicking it around for a while. Um, like I said, I'm going to have to probably lean more on you for this because you'll have the first-hand knowledge. Mm. Um, so with that, why don't, uh, yeah, well, tonight we'll have, like any other good episode of the show, we have some informational slides to go over. I just found a few that seemed decent for, for the content uh, and kind of global. Um, and then I did find a nice video uh, to kind of go over signs, symptoms, uh, what is postpartum depression or PPD, and, uh, you know, how it differs. We can talk also about how it differs from just baby blues, as it's called or referred to. But let's start with Gemma. Mm. Uh, you want to get into kind of your dealings with it or whatever you want to start with, like uh, maybe just... Mm -hmm. Uh, how you knew also uh, the difference between what you were experiencing being postpartum depression versus just baby blues uh, mm. or or what have you? Uh, yeah, so I had it really quite badly when I had Thomas. He's my only child. 
And at first, I, I mean, I've heard of baby blues. I'd heard of postpartum depression, but I didn't think that's what I was going through. I thought at first I was just maybe a bit worn out and tired, uh, struggling that way because uh, I didn't really have the supportive partner or anything. And we'd just moved house. I'd got this house that was an absolute shell at like seven months old. And we had to try and decorate the whole thing up while I was heavily pregnant, struggling to walk. Uh, my own disability was causing me problems anyway. So I just thought I was tired all the time. But then things started getting worse where there was times where when I look back now, I still feel terrible about it, but I also know that it wasn't me as a parent that was behaving in that way. It was the depression that had got hold of me. But there was times where I could have just thought, like when Thomas was crying and things, leave me alone. Why are you crying? What do you want? You've got everything. And I just wanted to walk away and leave him. Like I couldn't deal with it. And it got to the point where I had to get my mum to help me because I was really, really struggling with it. And when he would cry on a night and things, and I'd be there, like, putting the pillows over my head, like, stop, why won't you stop? You you don't need anything. And it's not until I went for one of his regular, I think it was just like a weigh-in thing that they did, and the doctor said that I looked really, really tired, and I happened to mention something. Um, because I'd not been eating or anything, not been looking after myself at all. And they said, we think you're suffering with depression. Mm -hmm. uh, I went and spoke to somebody else and they said it was postpartum depression. And I had to go on a course of medication and had more regular visits from the midwife and things just to see how I was going. Because of my condition... Um, when Thomas was born, I I had to have an extra epidural for the fact that I could still feel that they were cutting me open. And it caused me to have a bit of a seizure on the table, so I couldn't have the immediate contact with him that they would normally give you. He was around two hours old when I got to actually hold him. So what Gemma was... Getting into there, it was quite a bit of the depression itself, not solely postpartum depression, because I know with with me having uh, diagnosed depression as well, I've felt several of those um, markers that she was touching on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not necessarily, uh, obviously, postpartum depression, but just depression in general. So I guess that's how you kind of came came to the the consensus, I guess, with your doctor that there mm -hmm. was part of depression going on because you were displaying all of the signs of, you know, regular depression. Yeah, yeah, I'd had regular depression for a long time anyway because of all the things I'd had. But it just amplified with the uh, yeah, yeah, the birth, I guess. Um because a lot of it like uh, I felt really bad uh, because of the fact that I couldn't breastfeed my child. Like, I'm thinking, am I doing something wrong? Is it something I've done that means that he can't feed? Because he had to have an NG tube. He ended up in intensive care, which meant I got to spend less and less time with him. Mm -hmm. So when I finally did get that time with him, I kind of felt disconnected. Like, I knew that he was my child. I knew yeah. I'd given birth to him. But that bond that was, like, I saw with every other parent, because I was in hospital for a while with him, it, it was, it felt more of a struggle for me to get. And... I, that, I then started thinking there was something wrong with me and then wrong with my baby. And then 
yeah, like I really had to be encouraged to do things um, right. and to look after myself at the same time. And then when they mention depression, I'm like, well, I have depression anyway. What's different? Why, why is this different? And um, it took me a it, while to accept. I think it probably becomes, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, and hello to Nonsensical Nonsense Podcast. Everybody say hello to our good friends over at the Nonsensical Nonsense Podcast. Streaming live on Twitch Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Give them a follow. Great group of guys. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, Gemma, uh, the depression, you, you mentioned how do you know it's you know separate from, because you had diagnosed depression. Did mm -hmm. you feel, and I guess in talking with my wife and, and such, was there ever any resentment towards Thomas, like, did you feel like you resented him or you for oh, yeah. maybe for uh, what the, the, the constant uh, nine months of quote unquote damage to your body um, oh, yeah. or, yeah. Um, you know, not latching, uh, which is something that a lot of mothers go through. Mm -hmm. uh, I know it, I know it feels quite lonely probably when you're going through that, like you're, why is my kid not everybody else has no problem oh, with yeah. laughing and stuff, but it's very quite common. Uh, mm -hmm. Penelope uh, had trouble latching as well, um, but she still found other avenues to eat. Like she wasn't starving, but she just didn't get that latching thing down uh, mm -hmm. right away. So I know that there's, um, there's a lot of similarities between most new mothers uh, that, that you're, um, that could cause maybe some resentment. Do you think that factored in? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I was definitely comparing myself to the other mothers on the ward. And I'm like, well, they're feeding fine. Why am I not feeding fine? Is there something wrong with my baby? Is there something wrong with me? What's going on? And then the fact that I'd had a cesarean and cut from literally hip to hip. And then they expected me to get up and walk like hours later and stuff. And I was just in agony. I didn't want to do anything. Yeah. And I'm like, why, you know, what what the hell? Where where's all my where's my body gone? How, how why am I I'm like, I've just dropped this nine pound baby and I've lost low weight. What the hell? Um, yes, and, for, and for somebody that struggles already with body dysmorphia. Yeah. Um, which which a good bit of the population does. It, mm -hmm. it does take a toll on that aspect of things, too. Oh, yeah. And for, for the longest time, seeing that scar right across, and I'm like, because I've since lost a lot of weight, and they effectively cut through your muscles, which makes it dead tissue. And when you lose that weight, there's fat there that you can no longer lose. It needs to be removed. And it did make me think, lots of things at the time about is it worth it why did I do it why have I got a child I I'm not seeing any of my friends anymore I can't go out I'm too tired why is everyone else's baby behaving out and mine screaming absolute blue murder all the time what is he wrong with him why what does he want I'm like he's got a clean nappy he's eaten what the hell does he want why does he keep screaming all the time yeah. and it was just to the point where I like yeah I just wanted to be like I can't deal with this anymore so and you it, definitely I felt so bad you definitely felt that debilitating feeling that only depression, uh, severe depression can manufacture in, you know, just not wanting to do anything, not wanting to get out of bed, not wanting to uh, oh, yeah. shower or even. left alone, like, and I did. I had to really be forced to get up, to, to shower, to eat. I just didn't want to do anything anymore, like. I'm like, I have carried this child around in my stomach for nine plus months, and now you're expecting me to do all this shit as well? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I certainly think a lot of it had, like, because I, I was doing it all on my own, pretty much. I mean, there was 
a other person here at the time, but he might as well not have been. And then that made our relationship at the time very difficult. And he struggled to accept that now there was someone else here, a baby. And I was looking after the baby all the time and I was too tired for anything with us. And that changed the relationship and it got very volatile then. Right. And as I've discussed before, abusive. And I ended up being literally held prisoner in my own home for quite some time. And that was another thing that I thought, like, is is this... The, like because he doesn't think I can cope with the baby um, why has everything changed and it did, everything seemed again fine. you started pointing the finger at yourself and yeah. the spiral continues oh god uh, yeah it was terrible yeah. Uh, we are talking postpartum depression this evening something that uh, a very very large amount of women deal with whether it be minor all the way to severe. Uh, so Gemma has been nice enough to share her experience after the birth of Thomas. Uh, we're getting into a little bit about uh, resentments and, and what causes the depression to spiral somewhat out of control after the, the baby has come and is born. I did see my wife take a bit of a turn after Penelope was born. Uh, it, she did not have, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, like she might have a completely different uh, aspect. Unfortunately, she's at work, so I can't uh, bring her on right now. But uh, she did have, you know, kind of the baby blues. Uh, you know, it wasn't just debilitating but you could you could see that the change in the air the aura was was there um, i know having trouble getting the latching like we were talking about was was bothersome um, but overall i think she and penelope bonded right away uh they they did the skin to skin as soon as uh, as soon as penelope was born and um, another thing, kind of a little off topic, but not so much. Uh, we, I don't know how much this plays in, and maybe you can speak to it, Gemma. Um, I've been talking with some folks recently who, you know, some of our friends are pregnant and they've had kids in the past as well. Um, in particular, uh, some folks choose not to find out the sex of the baby until they're born. Mm. Be surprised. I was one of them. I um, so good. You can speak on this. Uh, the, do you think that that plays into the bonding in, in a sense of if you choose to know the sex when mm. the baby, when the baby, you know, at the ultrasounds and everything, you want to know right away. That's great. Mm -hmm. Then you can start. Okay. It's a girl. We can start picking names. We can start painting bedrooms and getting cribs and, and planning around a baby girl, uh, knowing that it's coming. Uh, and then on the other side of that coin and talking with some friends that did not find out the sex, I've heard probably some more of the not so easily bonding because you haven't had that time in the preparation, uh, you don't know what it is. So if yeah. it comes out a boy, it, it's like a stranger. Whereas folks that uh, that choose to know the sex or spend the next six months planning around a baby girl or a baby boy, and it's not yeah. so much a stranger. It's a nice surprise, yeah, right. But do you do you see what I'm saying? Like, is there yeah, a yeah. certain uh, benefit of bonding? in that six months knowing that it's coming to, and it's going to be a girl versus surprise. Uh, here's a boy that you have, yeah. you haven't prepared for at all. What do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely can see 
that because I know when I was preparing for a baby, I just knew I was going to have a baby. So mm -hmm. everything was white and yellow because I didn't know which one it was. And I did, I did want to keep it like that, but there was a sneaky part of me like, what if it's a boy? What if it's a girl? What do I want more of? And I feel to a degree there was parts of me that was like in my mind wishing it was a particular gender, um, but not knowing. And then obviously the plan was that when the baby was born, my then my the dad at the time, obviously things are difficult now, would give me the baby and it would be like, it's a boy or it's a girl. So I picked out two names, like mm -hmm. Thomas for a boy, and if it was going to be a girl, it would have been Jessica. Mm -hmm. And I would have done, I had to plan for both outcomes. So it was kind of exhausting doing that, not knowing. And having to be super careful not to get anything blue or pink. Right. But, That's yeah, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to be landed with. Right. And then when I was given a boy, I was thinking, like, now would I have preferred a girl? Would I have? And I didn't know. Like, And then because I was also told I was high risk for giving birth to a down syndrome baby and they gave me a one in 31 chance and they offered me an amniocentesis test but said it was very high risk anyway and with my complications it would be even higher risk right so not only did i not know the gender i ch chose not to have that test because i didn't want to risk the pregnancy because i was told i couldn't get pregnant anyway right and I'd had a miscarriage prior to Thomas, so I was already very wary about having that again happen to me and lose another baby. Mm -hmm. But to that then think, not only do I not know the gender, but I also don't know if he's going to have something wrong or if there's Down syndrome. And I went through the two, first two trimesters being told he was underweight to then give birth to a nine pound 12 huge baby <laughs> <laughs> and th like that's what i mean they underestimated his size and i was having a, um, a cesarean an emergency c-section because i'd been induced i called it eviction day just eviction day different. yeah and uh, they they were kept saying me you're not you're not in labor you're not dilating and i'm like i am in Fucking labor, this fucking hurts yeah. getting back for me. Four days in labor, and they're like, Oh, yeah, your cervix ain't working. So, I by then he'd got the cord around his neck, my heart rate had dropped massively, and my blood pressure. Thomas's heart rate was fast as anything, so they had to rush me in and do an emergency section. Yeah. Then they had to cut me, and I'm like, Saying, I can feel you're using scissors. Why can I feel that? <laughs> and he's like you shouldn't feel it I said well obviously I can because I can't fucking see it and I'm shouting at everyone like because I felt it and then they went and put some more in and I had this seizure which didn't help and mm. then he cried before they took him out of me so I automatically assumed there was something wrong then Sure. what's wrong and then he went dead quiet for a while and I'm like why is he stopped so there's just an incredible adrenaline dump happening. Yeah, uh, and he was out building. five minutes before I even knew what he was. I'm like, what is it? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Like, I didn't even know. I'm like, can you tell me what I've just had? <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, it was so massively overwhelming. Everything seemed so rushed. And I think because of the way things were done, I didn't get that bonding time with him that yeah. some do. And then I spent the whole time on a ward where everybody else had their babies, yep. but mine was in intensive care. Yeah. So That's I was on my own, having had a baby, but not having one at the side of me. That definitely has everybody to Everybody else to the, carry on. That definitely has to add to the... Mm, yeah. To the depression. Um, but then 
forward um, or fast forward into coming home and having uh, a couple of months under your belt, postpartum depression is striking uh, not just, you know, immediately after the birth of a child. Like there's uh, cases of it maybe even a year, as much as a year after. Yeah, uh, they they said that I don't, I think mine hadn't cleared till he was nearly 18 months. Mm-hmm. They were still treating me while he was 18 months because there were other things like where he couldn't, he was fed via an NG tube for a while when right. he was born. Then he couldn't eat anything solid till he was about 18 months. And I'm just constantly thinking, why are things going wrong for me? What's what's wrong with him? And I'm thinking, is it me that's doing something wrong? Is it is it him? Is he is there something wrong with him? And then because I had this worry of him having Down syndrome, then I before he was born, and then I'm thinking, well, why? How did they know that? What made them think that he was high risk for it? Is it something else that they've picked up on? And it gets your mind thinking into other avenues. Okay, it's not Down syndrome, but what is it? What did they find to make them believe that? And I did start thinking there was things wrong with him. And constantly wanting to go to the doctors, getting checked. Because uh, he did have a bit of jaundice and things when he was born. and sure. Not latching, not being able to feed him I ended up with mastitis could only produce from one side and I'm just like my body's not working why can't I do the one thing that a mother's be meant to be able to do and that's feed your own baby and yeah, I could do and that it. Could take a toll on anyone and it just absolutely snowballed out of control and it wasn't until he was about 18 months old where I could finally come off the medication and they put me back on to a different one. I mean, I had to come off a lot of my medication anyway when I was pregnant because I was pregnant. Um, Ellis, I says, Ellis says, I think I have postpartum after 20 years. Still postpartum, right? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I, he turns 10 next month, and sometimes I'm like, good God. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a look at... Um, Let's do the video first, mm -hmm. um, and then we'll come back and look at some slides to kind of round out some of this information. Um, and then, as always, we can look for uh, look at a slide I have on coping uh, with postpartum depression, and uh, we'll talk again with Gemma about what she has done uh, other than. She said she was in treatment for it, um, but we'll take we'll take a look at maybe some things that she had uh, gone through or done to remedy. But first, let's take a look at this video. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about five minutes long, so it just goes over some signs and symptoms and uh, what we're looking at here. Uh, so we'll be right back after the video is over. Welcome back. I'm Mama Dr. Jones, a board-certified OBGYN, a mom to four, and today we're talking about postpartum depression. I just finished up doing an interview with Ned and Ariel Fulmer of the Try Guys and the Try Wives and the podcast Baby Steps, which is where they'll be broadcasting our discussion. It was all about postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, and it was such a great conversation that I just wanted to hop on here and talk a little bit about these topics with you all. Postpartum depression is something that is relatively common. About one in 10 will experience this after giving birth. And that's why it's so incredibly important that we bring awareness to the issue. What exactly is postpartum depression? Postpartum depression is a series of several different symptoms, anything from just feeling uninterested to having excess guilt or even 
changes in your sleep habits or changes in your appetite. And these have to go on for a period of at least two weeks. To be postpartum depression, it has to occur during the 12 months after delivery, but there's also a perinatal depression which can occur during pregnancy. And I think it's really important that we highlight that and we'll talk a little bit more about it in just a minute. What's the difference between postpartum depression and baby blues? You've all heard about baby blues and we've all been told like it's kind of a normal thing. And baby blues is super common. This is something that happens in almost everybody to some extent after they deliver. It's kind of an onset of crying and mood lability and just not feeling quite right or sadness that happens about two days after delivery, sometimes three. But of note, baby blues should end at the two week mark. If you have ongoing symptoms after that, or if your symptoms are severe and interfering with your daily life, your ability to take care of and bond with baby, this is very important for your doctor to know. Postpartum anxiety is really similar to postpartum depression and has kind of the same diagnostic criteria with the two weeks and being present most of the day, interfering with your ability to do normal day-to-day -day life. But the overwhelming feelings there are anxiety and worry instead of the depression symptoms. These can coexist, they overlap, there's kind of a gray area in between. And so it's important that we talk about both of them. They're both treated pretty similarly. The best treatment for postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety is going to be therapy. Sometimes we need to mix that with a medication and we can find a medication that is safe for pregnancy or breastfeeding. So when should you bring it up with your doctor or advanced practice provider? Most of us should be doing an Edinburgh depression scale or some form of depression anxiety screening at your postpartum visits. For me personally, my kid's pediatrician would always give me a depression scale to fill out at every newborn visit. And I thought this was such a great idea because you always see the pediatrician more than the doctor who delivered your baby or the midwife who delivered your baby. And don't get me started on that. We need a different formulation of postpartum care in this country with nurses or midwives who can come to your home and see you or at least get you in for a visit more frequently. But beside that, since we don't have that now, while we're working towards improved postpartum care for people in this country, at the very minimum, I think this is a great idea to be screening for depression at the pediatrician visits. Our doctor would just send that over. So she would take care of some of my patients. And when she would find a positive depression screen, she would send it over. We would contact the patient and get them in for a visit or get them set up with a therapist. I think it's really important to have an open line of conversation with your partner. And if you are the partner in the relationship, if you notice something that's just not right, you don't think that, you know, everything seems to be going normally, they seem to be feeling guilty or not able to take care of the baby or take care of themselves like they should be, you know, you know your partner pretty well. And I want you to feel comfortable bringing this up with your partner or with their doctor, because sometimes when you have postpartum depression or anxiety, you don't always have great insight into that. Some people do, some people know something's not right and they need to get it taken care of or at least bring it up and talk about it. And other people just don't understand that it's not just normal adjustment to having a baby. Although it's really difficult to talk about, suicide is one of the number one killers in the postpartum period. And I think this is important to bring up because it's something that we can prevent with the right measures. So any thoughts of harming yourself, harming the baby, any plans to do any of those things, this is an emergency and a reason to call 911 or go to the emergency room. Don't wait until your next visit. Don't wait until normal office hours. You need to be seen immediately. I also think it's really important for us to normalize bringing up these feelings. If you've been having feelings like that or thoughts like that and they're intrusive, talk to your doctor about it. I know a lot of people feel uncomfortable because it has been made out to be this shaming part of society, but it's not shameful. Nobody wants this to happen. And it certainly does not mean you're a bad parent. So I want everybody to feel comfortable talking about this and seeking help. How long does postpartum depression last? Postpartum depression can last for a while in some people. If someone is doing therapy and medications, in my clinic, I generally have them do that for at least six months, and then we can trial a period off of the medication. And I leave the 
cessation of therapy up to their therapist. For the medication, we can do a trial off for a while and see how you do at six months if you feel like that's what you wanna do, but sometimes people wanna continue it for a little bit longer. About 50% of people who are diagnosed with postpartum depression or anxiety will have symptoms for at least a year. And so I think it's always okay to continue your treatment for that year and see where you are. At that point, we can reevaluate. Some people would like to stay on the medication, they feel good on it, they're stable on it, and other people would like to have a trial off of it, and that's totally fine too. I do wanna highlight that medication isn't required for everybody who has postpartum depression or anxiety, and a lot of times therapy will be sufficient. I definitely love to take advantage of any referrals that I can. Any of my friends in psychology, psychiatry, mental health of any kind, I would love for all of my patients to have access to that. That's not always practical, but it would be in an ideal world. And I think that the value of mental health professionals cannot be overstated. These people are wonderful and they're so great, especially for things like postpartum depression and anxiety. The most important thing I want you to know about this is that it doesn't reflect on your ability to be a parent. It doesn't mean that you're a bad parent, even if you're having intrusive thoughts or problems with taking care of your baby. It just means you might need a little help to get better so that you can be the best parent that you wanna be. At the end of the day, the most important thing in this conversation is to know that postpartum depression and anxiety is not caused by anything that you did. It just happens. People who've had a history of depression or anxiety are at an increased risk. People who have really complicated pregnancies or traumatic deliveries are at an increased risk. These things are risk factors, but that doesn't mean those are the only people who get postpartum depression and anxiety. Anybody can have this, and in nobody is it a reflection of anything that you've done or something you could have done better. It's just something that happens. So I want to normalize bringing this up, having the conversations, and talking it out with your doctor. All right. Uh, just a, a good little video of exactly what postpartum depression can look like postpartum depression can look like uh there's a lot of different factors that go into it and Gemma touched on quite a few of those uh already um everything from the environment to uh the the status of your mental health heading into it uh and then of course all the things factoring in to uh the 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 home life, um, you know, back to heading back into the environment. <clears throat> so with that being said, uh, we'll go, we'll switch over to some slides for now. Um, and Gemma, if you don't mind taking us through, um, and we will start with the difference between baby blues versus postpartum depression. And Gemma, I think you're muted. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so baby blues, um, the signs for that are things like weepiness, crying for no apparent reason, feeling like I'm not myself or this isn't me, impatience, irritability, restlessness, anxiety, sadness, mood changes, and poor concentration. And then postpartum depression is difficulty sleeping, insomnia, and exhaustion, lack of energy, low sex drive, changes in appetite, weight loss, or weight gain, weepiness, excessive worry, agitation, and anxiety, feelings of inadequacy, hopelessness, despair, guilt, sadness, fear of being alone, irritability, difficulty concentrating, panic, anger, and scary thoughts about the baby's health, like usually the health and the over-concern for the baby's health, something's bad's going to happen, things like that. I definitely had all that. Absolutely. And you can see on the depression side, the postpartum depression side of things, mm. it does hit on those uh, markers of regular depression uh, at a yeah. pretty severe level when you're getting into the low sex drive, 
you're getting into the difficulty concentrating, the inadequacy. Uh, whereas baby blues, we're just looking at some mild symptoms, it appears, general anxiety, some mm. restlessness, uh, just feeling not yourself, maybe poor concentration versus uh, the lack of concentration uh, and difficulty concentrating. Um, and then moving on here uh, to some more signs of postpartum depression. Yeah, so postpartum depression is nothing to be ashamed of. It affects about one in seven new mums and apparently does not mean you're failing. And absolutely, sorry, does not mean you are failing as a parent. And there are several options to treat it. The first step is recognising the signs of PPD. Even if you have one or two of these symptoms, call your doctor to discuss. You can speak to your midwife as well, they will refer you. Um, so you feel empty and alone despite just having had a new baby to your life. You feel completely overwhelmed as though you'll never be a good mom and that's totally not true. You feel no bond or connection to this new life you helped create. You're constantly irritated or angry and you have zero patience. You may even resent your baby because of how your life has changed. You're uncontrollably sad and can't stop crying or shake off feelings of sadness. And you feel out of focus and can't concentrate on anything, least of all your newborn. And finally, you have thoughts of harming yourself or baby. These feelings should never be ignored and warrant to call your doctor right away. And then, yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely one thing we haven't really discussed yet is that it can uh, present in such a severe way that your people have done harm to themselves or their babies. And these feelings present themselves and they should not be ignored. Um, that, that you have to get out there and talk to a, a licensed professional, let them know what's going on just as if, it was any other feelings of um, either suicidal ideation or um, severe depression, you know, without another life on the table mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, we're just dealing, when you're just dealing with yourself, you would do the same thing. Um, so now we have two lives uh, to, to consider and mm -hmm. it definitely needs to be taken seriously and um, reach out for help. Uh, from a licensed professional. But again, with these signs of postpartum depression, you're seeing a lot more of the severe uh, side of things. Uh, there's, instead of just not feeling yourself, you feel completely out of it. You feel like there is zero bond uh, or connection, um, emptiness, uh, uncontrollably sad, just these things that are definitely you can definitely see the difference between mm -hmm. what some baby blues might be versus postpartum depression. Um, but let's take a look at the next slide, some statistics for you. Okay, so up to one in five women will suffer from a maternal mental health disorder like postpartum depression. Less than 15% of women receive treatment. One in seven will experience depression during pregnancy. Up to 50% of women living in poverty will suffer from maternal mental health disorders. Not just mums, so maternal mental health disorders impact the whole family, not just women. More than 600,000 women will suffer from a maternal mental health disorder in the US every year. Anxiety and depression have risen 37% in teenage girls. This will increase the number of women suffering postpartum depression in the future. And rates of depression are more than doubled in black mums due to cumulative effects of stress called weathering. So there's some uh, statistics 
on postpartum depression, one of the interesting things to remember um, is that it is not just moms. The uh, maternal mental health uh, disorder impacts the whole family. Um, so that is definitely important to remember. While mom is going through this, uh, the, the, the output on the rest of the family, the baby, etc., is also felt. There's a, a ripple effect, um, and that's why it's so important to address it and and seek help if it's at a point where it's out of control or it's controlling you. I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. um, but you can see quite clearly that there's no reason to feel alone in this. Uh, many many women go through the postpartum depression. Uh, the, the, the severity of it will always differ from one person to another. Uh, but it is, it is good to see uh, that you're not alone. Just like with any other mental health issue we talk about, uh, it's, there's, there's something to be said about being able to feel compassion from someone else that might mm. be going through it as well you're you don't feel that loneliness you can see by the numbers here alone which is why we wanted to put this up there that it happens quite frequently and it's nothing to be ashamed of and it's yeah. most certainly something to uh, address more and that's part of the treatment as well because certainly myself um they like to refer you to like mums and baby groups and things mm -hmm. and especially groups for those who are going through postnatal postpartum depression um so that you can see that you're not alone and that you can discuss things with other people absolutely who, who are going through it and get help that way support but, groups or group yeah. therapy is not everybody's cup of tea and I understand that. I was never a huge uh, fan of the idea of it until I actually did it. Mm -hmm. And it is just something you can't explain. I, I've, I've said it on here before. It's just a feeling you can't replicate when you're unleashing some inner demons, if you will, or, or talking about what's going on in your life, feeling so alone. But then look up and there's a room full of people nodding in agreement with yeah. what you're saying. Like they know exactly what you're talking about. There's that 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 feeling cannot be replicated. To have Isn't someone it? else validate your feelings and state that they're going through the same thing and that you're not going out of your mind is is huge. Mm -hmm. And I think that of all the group treatments and things that I've had, and I've had quite a few for different reasons, the one that I went through for postnatal depression was certainly the most helpful because not only did it allow me to see that this was happening this was real and it's not uh, an uncommon thing mm -hmm. but it also allowed me to make connections with other people who have just had children and allow me to meet friends through that right. and some of those people i met during those group therapies are still friends today Mm -hmm. And that's that's huge. That's a really big thing because not only did I have someone, but it allowed me to have someone from my child as well. And Thomas has got a couple of friends who I went to those groups with. Mm -hmm. And it, it is, I think, certainly one of the most helpful groups yeah. and group therapies that I went to and I was not interested at all at first and I really literally had to be forced to go but when I did start going and I had all these feelings inside of me validated by other people mm -hmm. who I didn't know from Adam like and I'm thinking wow this this is normal then this there's no doubt about it there's no doubt about it there's lifelong friendships to be made mm -hmm. in some of these support groups or and having therapies. someone that just gets it 
without having to explain they just get it that's amazing to have that yeah because you don't have to explain everything and they just know how you feel like a lot of my deepest connections with friends are those that i have met um through support groups through mm -hmm. internet support groups yep. and who have very similar conditions because they just get it. I don't have to tell them, oh, I can't go out today because I don't feel like it. And I don't have to hide how I'm feeling. It's neat. Chances are they, they know exactly how I'm feeling anyway because they've been there themselves. And keeping on that treatment thing, let's hit the last slide here. Six tips to cope. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, six tips to cope with postnatal depression. Number one, build a secure attachment with your baby. And there is plenty of support out there. You can get extra midwife support and things. Um, number two, take care of yourself. If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of another person. Uh, number three, learn, uh, lean on others for support. Uh, tip four, maintain a healthy diet. Uh, tip five, get some rest. I know that's really difficult when you've got a new baby. Sure. I had to learn to rest and to sleep when they when he was sleeping. Yeah. And it totally screwed my sleep pattern for quite some time. But you need to be rested, and the best way to do that is to rest when the baby's resting. It exactly. doesn't last forever where they're just catnapping and stuff, and then you get to the stage where I am now, and he doesn't ever friggin' sleep, it seems. Mm -hmm. But anyway, and then tip six, exercise. Even if it's just taking your baby for a walk around the street, take them to yep. the park, anything, just get out and about, do stuff. And there you have the <laughs> the only one we're missing, uh, missing is journaling. Um, but we tip four, five, and six, they're pretty generic. Uh, yeah. they, they come up quite a bit get some rest, exercise, maintain a healthy diet. These are not Certainly. just on there. They're not on a tips to cope slide for everything we discuss because they look good or because they need space filler. It actually works. And yeah. it's proven, scientifically proven, uh, maintaining a healthy diet, resting, getting out of that sleep debt, and, and doing some sort of exercise increases dopamine and, and endorphins and, and everything. And you it, it does do something for you. There's mm -hmm. definite benefits to it. Building a secure attachment with your baby, uh, that might take some work. Uh, and as Gemma was alluding to, there's, there's extra support out there, extra midwifing, extra uh, nursing. Um, that you can call on there are there are resources available to help with that journey if it's not as easy for some mm -hmm. um, because and there's those resources are in place because this has been an issue for people for a long time uh, so that again plays into the fact that there there's no loneliness here in what you're feeling this has been around this is uh, known about, and this is something that uh, the, now there are resources available for these uh, types of issues, um, and that's and that's thanks to people going through it and and talking about it and offering what they do to to try and feel better. Gemma, did you hit on any of those things in your story there? Um, yeah, when, when you mentioned journaling, that's something I did. Um, certainly for the very first year, leading up to being having the baby, and then for the first year, I made a journal. Um, one that um, when Thomas is older, he will be able to read. I wrote all the things we did, um, things about like feeding anything and everything some of it was to help me and so that I could give the midwives the information and things like that but it also helps you to form um that connection there is also an app you can get it's a free app 
on Android and iOS, uh, Baby Connect, it's called. And you can have the whole family log into this one account and you can journal that way so that if, say, for example, you have family that you want to see what's going on but don't live with you, you can upload, like, their feeds, any nappy changes, photos, any first things like milestones, and it's a really good app. And I use that with my family so that not only was it a reminder to me what I've done, what he's had and everything else, but the other family members that weren't around could see it as well. And they could see that I was doing these things and it would show you who's done it, who's logged it. It's actually a really good app. Um, it doesn't have to end when they're like so old it can it goes on for ages you could i could still use it now if i wanted sure i mean it becomes less appropriate for an older child but it's still very much a usable thing um but yeah definitely one thing that's not on there really um although the leaning on others mm -hmm. maybe would be in there but the support groups and things don't yeah that's kind of what that's touching leaning on others yeah, and uh, yeah, if you have a supportive family, supportive partner, things like that, that always helps as well. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you for sharing your trials and tribulations, as always. And it's, I, could, I don't have a whole lot to bring to the table from the postpartum side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think all in all, we got a good episode of information out of it, and it was good to be back, uh, back live after two-week hiatus. Uh, we will be back again next week. I'll be putting together a schedule of upcoming shows here for the Discord, so please join the Discord if you want to keep up to date on everything TMHH. Uh, let's get into some community calendar tonight, or hopefully tonight, uh, Catalyst. Mm -hmm with Jim in Chicagoland every Wednesday night, 11 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Twitch. Un unwind, mm -hmm. relax, uh, with a warm candle and a welcoming audience. There's Jim's handle uh, in the chat, Jim in Chicagoland. Give him a follow. Uh, also, check out Array of Sunshine on Twitch. Uh, you can give him a follow here on Twitch, and you can, for now... Find his YouTube through there because I know he's doing a lot with YouTube at this moment. And we'll get that updated on our end as well to make it easier to find those positive vibes and positive stories from a ray of sunshine. Um, next up, please join Eric J. Gaming every Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on his Twitch channel. He's a former guest of the show and a great uh, gamer on the channel. Um, and Jim is doing Catalyst tonight. Uh tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern, uh, featuring um, the fires of Maui. Uh, yes, that was very devastating, very sad. Um, so I will I will be there for that. Uh, Gemma, my co-host and partner in crime here on the Mental Health Hour, has her own channel, twitch.tv slash gemmah83. Please give her a follow for all of the cooking, baking, crafts, arts, and everything in between. Uh, and finally, for all things Bunny, check out our great sponsor, Ella the Bunny Mom. She's here tonight. Check her out. Give her a follow. She streams late nights here on Twitch, plays ukulele, guitar, piano, everything, all with Puppy Cat, her rabbit friend. Uh, also, please join uh, join us or check out her shop, www.mybunnyvalentine.com. Use the promo code FIREDU15 for all of your purchases to help her help the bunnies and don't forget to join our community and discord the invite link is always available on our bio link and everything in between um so please follow us share us out help us grow help us keep growing 102 episodes in the books um and that's all thanks to you guys I got to get out of here. I've got to go feed a baby. Speaking of babies. <laughs> and we will catch everybody 
next week. Like I said, check the Discord for upcoming broadcasts as we're back from vacation. Yes. That's it for me. Bye now. Bye.